of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. The soap opera that is the Cleveland Browns, always something to talk about there. That's why every Friday we love having our next guest on. He's one of the best in the business. Browns beat reporter Scott Petrack covers the Browns for brownzone.com, the Illyria Chronicle Telegram, Medina Gazette. And uh, you see him and hear him all over the Browns radio network and on TV. Uh, and we're happy to have him with us here every Friday on the Kenny and JT Show. Scotty, thanks for making time for us. How are you today? I'm good. How are you guys? Hey, we're outstanding, and you can follow Scotty on Twitter as well, guys and gals, at Scott Petrack. So let's start with the big news of the week, and that was they didn't waste any time, interviewed four guys. The first guy they interviewed is the guy they hired for their new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. Uh, your thoughts on the hiring of Schwartz to come in and take over control? I'll tell you what, I mean, obviously you need to see how it works and how he's a fit, but I think he checks all the boxes. I really do. He runs a 4-3 which is what the Browns have and what the Browns should be running with Miles Garrett as their best player. He's smart. He's experienced. He's been a head coach. He's been a coordinator for 14 previous seasons with three teams. Uh, he's got some fire, which I think is necessary given the Browns' issues on defense this past season and a good compliment to Kevin Stefanski. So I have no qualms with the hire, Kenny. I, I laughed when you said it, and I'm thinking, man, he must be the fastest defensive coordinator out there if he runs a 4-3. Uh, but I know what you're saying, four down linemen, three linebackers. So that's good for Miles Garrett and the guys that are already on this team, right? They're not going to have to learn a new scheme, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think even more important than that is that that's what Miles Garrett, that's where he fits best. You know, you can't ask Miles to play end in a 3-4 or even – outside linebacker in a 3-4. Like, he just doesn't fit. Not that he couldn't do it. I actually talked to Robert Smith, who played with um, played under Jim Schwartz in Tennessee. I talked to him today, and he said, Miles can do whatever he wants. And I get that, and he thinks he'd be good in any system. But he's like the prototypical 4-3 end. And I think that's what's best. And I think the style that Jim Schwartz will bring will even further take advantage of Miles' skill set. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with him. But also, Scotty, don't you think uh, he came in and, you know, when he did the interview, um, he, he said something along the lines of, well, I like what you have, but, uh, you know, my experience says we need defensive tackles and another bookend defensive end uh, if we're going to turn this thing around. Uh, don't you think they're going to spend some cash or uh, in the draft or whatever it is to try and get him some help there? I have no doubt. And, they certainly need an end opposite Miles Garrett. And to me, that's the number one priority for this offseason. But right behind it is probably two defensive tackles. And Schwartz, everywhere he's been, he's had studs across that D-line. And the D-lines have been dominant, whether it's Buffalo, Philly, or Tennessee. And I'm sure he looks at this roster and says, we don't have the guys. We don't have the pieces, especially in the interior. So I think you're going to see a huge upgrade there. I think you're going to see a big investment, and it's a change in philosophy. If it happens, it's a change in philosophy from what Paul DePodest and Andrew Berry have done in their first three seasons. 
But Barry said he would listen to his coordinator, the new coordinator, and what he wanted. And I think that's going to be right at the top of the list. Scotty, speaking about a change of philosophy, this season more than any time that I can recall, are we seeing more coordinators being let go than head coaches, offense and defense? Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't have the stats, but it feels like it, Ooh, doesn't it? I it mean, sure does. You couldn't scroll through Twitter without seeing a new coordinator here, a new coordinator for an opening, right? They haven't hired mm-hmm. yet, but coordinator openings across the league. And I don't know if that's, you know, owners giving their head coaches a little wider berth and saying, okay, we're not going to make the change there, but you better make a change. Um, and I'm sure it's different in every city. But, yeah, it, it feels like certainly there's more openings and there'll probably be more movement yeah. um, throughout the league. I don't think they like paying that money when they're, you know, hey, you fired a head coach, somebody's got to pay that guy, and maybe we can just try to tweak this team in the meantime before we make a decision on the head coach. And we're seeing, and pardon me for laughing about this, but Bill Callahan was going to be interviewed by the Jets for their offensive coordinator position. He turns it down. They're going to give him an extension. So they're looking, am I reading this right, or is this a rumor? The Jets are looking at Chad O'Shea, the wide receiver coach of the Browns, to maybe interview for offensive coordinator? Yeah, he did interview today for that job. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so they requested permission to interview Callahan. I mean, it's granted because it's a step up. Callahan turned it down because the Browns gave him an extension to remain as the line coach. And then they interviewed the Jets, interviewed Chad O'Shea. Now, he was a coordinator for one year with the Dolphins. Okay. He was receivers coach for a decade with the Patriots, went to Miami, was one and done there under Brian Flores, one and done as a hmm. coordinator, and then came to the Browns and for the last three years has been pass game coordinator slash receivers coach. He's still under contract for 2023, but it would be a promotion. So, obviously, he's allowed to interview, allowed to take that job if he, it's offered to him. Um, but I wouldn't just dismiss him. Like I, he's a guy that's likable. Right. Um, he's been around, been under obviously Bill Belichick. Now Kevin Stefanski. Now you know the. I think you look at it and go, man, Flores didn't like something in 2019 because he only lasted one year. But I, I do think he's a uh, highly respected coach. Do you think Bill Callahan's son at Cincinnati's in line to be a head coach somewhere next year? Well, he's interviewing with the Colts today. Um, at least that's the reports, and I think Zach Taylor confirmed it, the Bengals coach. It, it's interesting. Um, you know, you have the lineage. You know, you look around the league, you look at, and obviously they're two different people, but you look at Kyle Shanahan and the success that he's had. And I'm sure nepotism is involved at some level, right? His dad was Kyle, or was, uh, Mike Shanahan. But I also think that he learned invaluable lessons, right? And his dad is a Super Bowl winning coach. And you know, Bill Callahan's son, Brian, Bill was a head coach for a couple of years with the Raiders, went to the Super Bowl as the head coach. Um, his son's Bill, the, we know how good the Bengals are on offense, or his son's Brian, we know how good the Bengals are on offense. So I certainly think he deserves considerations. Um, I don't know if he'll, you know, it feels like the Colts are interviewing everybody. Um, but at some point, he will be in line for a head coaching job if Joe Burrow continues to play well and why wouldn't you expect that? Scott Petrak, our guest, Browns Beat Reporter, brownzone.com. Scotty, in the year-end press conference with Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, Stefanski went out of his way to say, I let Joe Woods go last night. I, okay? When he introduced 
the new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, I didn't hear him say, I hired Jim Schwartz. Uh, was this a, a Stefanski decision, or was this uh, one made by the, the front office, the, the Ivy League guys? I think it's a Stefanski decision, and everything the Browns have done, whether it's firing Joe Woods or hiring Jim Schwartz, Stefanski's been the voice, right? They hire um, Jim Schwartz, and it's Stefanski quoted in the news release. We talked to Jim Schwartz on Wednesday. Stefanski introduces Schwartz. Um, you know, when Schwartz got asked about picking assistants, he said that's up to Kevin Stefanski. That's his, you know, his role or his purview. So I'm sure that Paul Podesta and Andrew Barry were consulted, right? It's a big hire. It's a big decision for the organization. Those guys are at the top of the organization. Having said that, they certainly want you to think that it's Kevin Stefanski's um, final decision, right? Or that it's his yep. pick. And I believe that, you know, but I also believe that there's collaboration. And I think Stefanski's a guy who's going to go rogue. I think he listens. Um, but I would say the, the Browns aren't hiring Jim Schwartz unless Kevin Stefanski said, I want this guy. The reason I bring it up, Scotty, because it puts a second former head coach on his staff, and we all think that should they start slowly, he could be in trouble and he might be looking over his shoulder. So that's why I was curious, uh, you know, if this was one that was given to him and he accepted it, or he's the one who went out and said, no, I want this guy, go get him. Yeah, I I get what you're saying with that. Um, You know, I I think he did. I think this was his pick. But I also think that having Schwartz on staff, it's not going to change whether or not they fire Kevin Stefanski in week eight, right? If they're two and six, it doesn't matter, right? I mean, you can hire, you you can promote Bill Callahan, you can give the job to Alex Van Pelt. Like, there's a million things you can do. They go get Jeff Saturday, right, like the Colts did. So I don't think having another head coach on staff is necessarily a threat to Kevin Stefanski, even though I think you're right that he would be a candidate to replace him as an interim coach. Uh, I, I don't think that's a threat. I don't think Stefanski views it that way. I think he says, hey, this is another guy with a bunch of experience that's going to help me not be looking for a job. Scotty, I was on your Twitter feed today, and I saw you retweet something about, I think it was Bill Goslin's or Rick Goslin's special teams rankings. Rich, yeah. And, yeah, yeah the, the rankings for uh, uh, special t- teams overall, whatever formula he used from punt returns, kick returns, punts, kickoffs, Coverage, yardage, field goals, extra points, all that, right? And the Browns were 18th out of 32 teams uh, in special teams, so starting to lean towards the bottom half uh, of the uh, of the league. Um, that means Mike Prefer safe based on the fact that he hasn't been fired and they're not 20 or below? You know, that's interesting. And it's Rick Gosselin. He's, he was in a Dallas writer forever, and this is his thing, like his baby. He does these special teams ranks. He takes all these different stats and throws them into a hopper and comes up with um, this thing. So it's really respected. Guys around the league pay a lot of attention to it. Um, 18th was kind of higher than I thought they'd be. You know, they were last in the league in punt coverage, according to the, his formula. Um, when it relates to Prefer keeping his job, I would think we would know by now if he weren't coming back. But Kevin's fancy gave an open-ended answer you know, at that season-ending press conference. And, you know, I don't know if that means that, hey, there's a plan B and C, that if those fall through, that you stick with Prefer. Um, you know, I, I expect Prefer to come back, but I haven't heard definitively 
where I can say, yes, he will. But I do think that the special teams are better as the year went on. You know, not, I don't know how much influence Prefer has on Cade York, right, because he's not a kicking expert, but York got better. I thought Corey Bohorka as the punter got better. Um, we saw Donovan Peoples-Jones return one for a touchdown. We saw um, Jerome Ford establish himself as a pretty good kickoff returner. So I did feel like it trended in the right direction, and even more so than the defense, you know, which still had its lapses at the end. I, I thought special teams got significantly better as the season went along. Scotty, a week ago Thursday at Brown Zone, you guys had an article written by Jim Ingram about Kevin Stefanski needs an image makeover. Yeah. Well, today he's on radio stations in Cleveland. He sounded like a real person for a change. Does that have anything to do? You can't say. I was going to ask, does that have anything to do with? It seems as though Jim Schwartz said more in his introductory conference, his press conference, sent me some more last, this week than Stefanski said all year. Is there any correlation there? Well, I don't think so. I, I think it's – here's what I think. That, you know, these radio stations, they're broadcast partners, so I'm sure that helps get them sit-downs with Kevin Stefanski. I also think that when you've had two losing seasons in a row, that it helps from a public relations standpoint to be out there more. Whether or not you want to be, I think it serves Stefanski well to – cultivate that image Mm -hmm. and to be more accessible, whether it's us or radio or TV, whatever it is. Um, Having said that, I I think, I I don't think having Schwartz is going to change how Stefanski approaches us on a day-to-day basis. We just haven't seen that. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got three years now and we haven't seen him open up. Um, We've seen pretty bland answers day in and day out. Um, I, I just think that's how he wants to do his job. I don't think he wants to give too much information. I don't think he wants to be a story. I don't think he wants a bunch of headlines with Stefanski colon says this, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I think that he's disciplined enough that he's going to stay true to that. Scotty, as I, I look at him, uh, you know, Stefanski, I, I think he's got to prove himself. I, I think he's on the hot seat as the season starts because he'll have his quarterback now for the, uh, the entire off season, the preseason, the regular season. Um, and, you know, now that they brought in a new defensive coordinator as a former head coach, you don't have to worry about the defense. Fine. Mm-hmm. How, how hot is the seat that he's sitting on going into next year, in your opinion? Yeah, I, I think it's hot. I, I do. Um, uh, you know, it's interesting. You see all those gambling sites now or yep. for the last years. You know, they put out the first coach to be fired, right? There's odds for that. And, I mean, I would think Stefanski's top three, top five for sure heading into next year. Whether that's fair or not, um, I don't think he's a bottom five coach in the league. I just think you're right, Kenny. You look at just the circumstances, and it's if they don't do well, whatever that metric is, is it playoffs, is it winning a game in the playoffs, is it above 500, whatever that number is, um, if he doesn't get there, then, yeah, there's going to be pressure internally and externally on the Browns to make a change. And we know Jimmy Haslam's track record. We know the carousel of coaches. So I think it just makes sense to connect those dots. And I think that's real. I think when you have the talent that the Browns think they have and you spend all this money on a quarterback and let's say you miss the playoffs three years in a row, then something usually changes significantly. And that's the head coach, right? So I don't think it's unfair to say that, and I think Stefanski knows that. I also think the Browns believe having Watson for a whole year 
and making the improvements and Jim Schwartz instead of Joe Woods will alleviate a lot of those issues, and they'll be much better next year. Scotty, with the draft Thursday, April 27th, do you think there's any chance they try to make a deal in the offseason to try to maybe move back into the first round? I do. I mean, you know, I, I would never rule anything out with, you know, these guys. Um, they've shown while their default is to move back and acquire more picks, they've shown the willingness to move up on occasion. You know, we saw it with Jeremiah Wusikoromoa a couple of years ago, moving up in the second round to get him. Um, I would never bet on this team moving into the first round or moving up dramatically because, like I said, they value those draft picks. But it's tough. I guess my point is, if we think they need immediate improvements at the end and de-tackle and receiver, I think those are more likely to come through trades and free agency than thinking, hey, we're going to go find this guy in the first round, right? Like, I, I think it's such a crapshoot in the draft. You bring in a young guy, you're going to say, okay, this young guy's going to be the answer at the tackle. Maybe, but is it more likely? I think so, that they just go find a veteran and sit in the second round or even trade down from the second round because maybe you had to trade some picks to go get that veteran you wanted. Scotty, I want to turn our attention here in this conversation to running back. Nick Chubb is the starter. We know that. Uh, behind him, you've got uh, four guys that that uh, currently on the roster that you look at and you go, okay, uh, Kareem Hunt, but he's a free agent now, right? Dearness Johnson, I, I think I don't even remember seeing him play this year. I know he did, but I, I, he didn't play many, uh, you know, meaningful snaps or, or do many meaningful things this year. Then you mentioned Jerome Ford and who's the other uh, uh, Demetric Felton, right? Oh. Um, oh, and Kelly, too. Yeah, so what, what's the running back room going to look like next year? Do you think Hunt is coming back, or does he want to go somewhere else and start because he uh, asked to be traded earlier in the year? And does Dearness Johnson uh, fill his role? What, what do you think the, the pecking order there will be? Here's what I'm certain of. It'll be Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford, and then I don't know. And I'm assuming Hunt's gone. Now, if he tests the market and the market's not there, which I expect it to be a market, but running back's tough. A lot of teams like to bring in young guys, right? You draft them in the third, fourth round, and they can start right away for you. Um, is somebody going to pay Kareem Hunt? You know, I mean, I think he's probably expecting a raise over the, I think he's making $6 million a year this year. Like, I'm sure he's expecting a raise. I don't think he gets that, especially coming off a season where he wasn't great and he didn't get a lot of chances. So maybe if the market's not there, he, sign, he re-signs here because he's from here, but I don't think that's likely. I think he goes somewhere else. Um, I think Dearness Johnson will test the waters because he didn't play hardly at all. You're exactly right, Kenny. I mean, he maybe got 15 snaps on offense this year. Um, can he go find somewhere, find a bigger role somewhere? Yeah, he. I, I think he can, you know. And I think the Browns would be more inclined to have Jerome Ford is at number two. And then, you know, I think Felton's gone. I just don't think he's done anything. And then maybe John Kelly's that third guy with the knowledge that you can go get a veteran at the end of camp, during camp, at week two. right? Like you see throughout the league, teams pick up guys, they plug them in when there's an injury, and those guys have success. So I I think the days of the Browns having two big-time proven backs is gone, and it's going to be Nick Chubb, and then they figure out afterward, and they, they're, they're pretty high on Jerome Ford, um, you know, having him around for a year and then drafting him, obviously, last, last April. 
What about Anthony Schwartz? Will they finally admit that, that they missed on that? He's a bust, and they're going to cut him and move on? Well, I, I think that's certainly possible and maybe even likely. I don't think it's going to come before roster cuts next whatever, August 30th or whatever roster cuts are. Like, I mean, he's a third-round pick. I don't think it does any good to cut him right now. I think you have him all off season. You bring him to training camp and hope, you know, some crazy light went on, which I think you have to be naive to think it will come on. But, you know, I think they're going to give him every chance to win a roster spot. And then chances are when it comes to the end of training camp, he gets cut. But it's certainly his presence should certainly not keep them from going and getting a receiver of speed, right? He's supposed to be that guy. He's not. They desperately need someone in that role and they should go find someone else and not just count on a miracle with Schwartz. Yeah, I agree with you 100% there. Real quick, Scotty, linebackers. Jim Schwartz uh, was asked specifically by you guys about linebackers and what size linebacker they need. Does he like what they have on the roster? What did you take away from how he answered the linebacker question? Yeah, I I thought that he's okay with undersized guys. Um, you know, he even said his only real requirement is he didn't want a guy over 250 pounds. And Reggie Ragland, you know, the guy that picked up at the end of the season is right there. He's about 252, I think. So I, I think he's fine with the type that the Browns have. But there's so many questions there. Taki Taki's coming off an ACL. JOK is coming off a foot, and I don't know yet if he's going to have surgery or, you know, just going to heal on its own. Anthony Walker's coming off the quad. Jacob Phillips, the pectoral, right? Like, all these guys have questions, so... Yeah, in a perfect world, you could just run it back with those guys. But I think they're going to have to make an addition just because outside of JOK, who I assume is going to be fine, there's big question marks for the other three guys. Yeah, there really is. And uh, as we're watching these playoffs, you, know, you see everybody. Ray, I know they lost, but uh, uh, Roquan Smith, and he just signed the contract extension. You see some of these guys getting after it, making tackles at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, not five, ten yards down the field. Uh, and it seems like when the linebackers for the Browns make tackles, it's ten yards down the field, Scotty, and that, that's not a good thing. Now, in fairness to them, and maybe this helps, right, if you get those defensive tackles, to eat up the offensive linemen, then that could free those linebackers up to make plays at the line or behind the line of scrimmage, right? That's exactly right. And, and I, it obviously plays hand-in-hand. Hand. But, you know, if you're counting on your front four, and, you know, they play that wide nine a lot. So, uh, you know, I don't know if you can count on your linebackers just being free all the time, right? So they're going to have to be able to shed. They're going to have to take a, be able to take on a guard and get rid of him and make a tackle. So... Um, you know, I like a lot of things JOK does, a lot of things like a lot of things Anthony Walker Jr. does. Same with Taki Taki. But it feels like they're one guy short there. And, you know, I don't know if they'll spend a ton of money on a linebacker, but if you could upgrade that position um, to go with the new D tackles you're going to have, I think that would go a long way. What about center? Uh, are they happy with Nick Harris coming off the injury and uh, Posick as the backup? Do they need to address that, or do they feel good with those two guys possibly? Well, Posick's a free agent. so Oh, I okay. Think, yeah, I, he was a one-year deal. He wants to come back. I think they want to sign him. I know that they would be interested. The question is, do you invest in another lineman? Right? you got big money in Conklin and Teller and Betonio. You know, if you could get Posick for, I don't know, you know, is it six, is it eight? a year he's probably worth it given nick harris is coming off an injury given harris has never you know i think he's played two games for you in the nfl um 
I kind of like the idea of going with Postic, who played really well and is a known commodity, versus handing it over to Harris, who, you know, for all the Browns know, isn't physically able to handle 17 games, right? So I would expect them to make a run to keep Postic. Scott Petrak, we always appreciate the time and the insight. Keep up the fantastic work at brownzone.com, and we'll talk to you again throughout the offseason, all right? Thanks, fellas. There is Scotty Petrak, uh, Browns beat reporter, does a fantastic job giving you the insights uh, from being around the team on a daily basis, being at those press conferences, asking those uh, questions. Um, and uh, I, I'm curious to see, not a lot of people have been focusing on it, but that running back situation. Uh, and he said it's Chubb right now, in, in his opinion, as far as the running backs go, and only one other guy, Jerome Ford. Uh, the rest of them are kind of up in the air. So uh, we'll, we'll see, you know. They brought back Dearness Johnson last year and barely used him, and this was a guy that's a 100-yard rusher in a game in the NFL. And I've got to believe he wants to try and get more playing time. Same with Kareem Hunt. So, Scotty may be onto something with uh, what that running back room looks like.